Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in DC for now. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. So, like HT said, she's in DC for now. She's moving to New York. I she's am. gonna be in the Big Apple taking a bite out of crime. Serving out of just, crime, just like Batman. <laughs> I mean, um, I am moving to Queens, which is the home borough of Spider-Man. So maybe I will be taking a bite out of crime. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this yeah. will be my last episode in DC. Uh, and by yeah, by next in week, the DC area. yeah, by next week, I will be a pop culture journalist in the NYC area, the New York area, in New York. <laughs> you just say New York. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say New York in New York, the Big Apple. Queens, yeah, one of the boroughs. Yeah. So, um, Willoughby, what are um, what are we talking about today? So we are talking about um, probably an Oscar front runner, uh, the hit movie A Star Is Born. But before we get to that review, we have an ad. The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by Fame. It's a bit of a drug. A Star is Born is a movie that was uh, written and directed by Bradley Cooper alongside Eric Roth for a screenplay. Um, it's been, this is the third remake, so the fourth A Star is Born movie um, in the A Star is Born remake franchise cinematic universe. <laughs> um, and why don't, just as like, for those of you who may not know the general story of A Star is Born, IMDb is here to help you out. A musician helps a young singer find fame, even as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. So basically, as one star rises, another fades. Um, that's usually how science works. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson confirmed that on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so always there for us, that Neil. He's he's always there. He he knows everything about famos and celebs and uh, science. So like it's pretty clear what he what he it's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is Bradley Cooper's pet project, pet project uh, with Lady Gaga to remake A Star Is Born, which I've never seen any of the older movies. Have you guys? I actually haven't either. I tried to go see them before um, I went to see the new A Star Is Born. But I never got the chance, and even in the month since I saw it and this podcast, I never actually went to see the other ones either, which I feel really bad about. But I really wanted to see the Judy Garland version at least, um, which was the 1950-something. Yeah, 54 version. And um, it's also three hours long. Also three hours long. Oh my! Seems like this is just a lengthy story in general. So, but I read a lot yeah. about like all versions. Um, the the Judy Garland version was quite famous, as was the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson version. Um, and then this one is Bradley Cooper's directorial debut uh, after he took the reins from Clint Eastwood, who was initially meant to direct this project with Beyonce in the lead. That would have been that. a weird movie. Yeah, Clint Eastwood and Beyonce don't seem like 
well And Bradley Cooper match. was still supposed to star. He was. He was, he was still going to be Jackson Maine. I'm down with boy. Beyonce, not down with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I don't think Beyonce would have meshed well with whatever movie Clint Eastwood would be, would be making. But it's kind no. of funny because... He is 300 years old and aging. Yes. But it's also kind of funny because Bradley Cooper's version of A Star is Born probably isn't that far off from what we would have seen with Clint Eastwood. Oh, um, let me tell you, oh. when, I, when I saw the trailer, I thought this was straight up a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, oh. It's straight up... It, no, it really looks like one. It's got the same kind of like... Uh, cinematography and direction that I would actually assume from a Clint Eastwood movie, especially because right before this movie, the trailer for Mule played, which Ugh. is his his, his latest uh, movie, movie also with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's doing double duty this I year. I totally forgot um, that movie came out. Wow. And it's like, oh, okay, so this is exactly what it, they just look like. It's part of the same cinematic universe. Um, so... Yeah, so uh, Anya, have you watched any of the uh, Star is Borns? I have seen bits Stars and pieces of I've seen bits and pieces of the Judy Garland version because um, I love Judy Garland and classic Hollywood and musicals, um, but never the whole thing um, from start to finish. And I haven't seen the other two, so this was my first A Star is Born in completion. Although I knew the story. And the end going into the movie. So I knew what was going to happen. I actually didn't know the end either. It caught me by surprise. Yeah. (laughs) Despite my reading a lot of material about it beforehand, I managed to stay away from spoilers. Yeah. And I was uh, caught by surprise by the ending. And so I think it it did leave a little bit more of an impact on me. But we'll get to that later. Uh, First, let's get into our initial thoughts about A Star is Born. Anya, I'm actually very curious to know, to to hear what you think about A Star is Born. Oh, why me? Because you're a classic Hollywood gal. Yeah, well, you're a classic Hollywood gal. And also, this film has been kind of the center of a lot of um, hot takes, I guess you would say. No other way to say it. It's been the center of a lot of discussion because uh, both it's a front runner for the Oscars and because it's got such a, a big kind of... It's part of a grand Hollywood tradition in terms of remakes. So... I've heard people say that it hasn't quite translated well to the modern era, but also it's a classic story, so that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't. I mean, I'm rambling. I just want to know what you think, Anya. Okay. It's Hollywood melodrama at its best. <laughs> I um, I really liked it. I I was swept away in it, um, and I felt the emotions, and but it was all kind of in the moment. So I will say that the movie has not stuck with me. Whereas other movies that I've seen that are maybe in the Oscars discussion, but like not quite as loud or bombastic as A Star is Born, have stuck with me a lot more. Mm. And I find I'm still thinking about them. Whereas A Star is Born, I really enjoyed in the moment. I do have some criticisms. um, But I saw this movie at the start of October. And... Maybe it's because this year has just felt exceptionally long in general, but it feels like it's been ages since I've seen it. And while I remember it pretty well, it just, it didn't kind of like leave me gobsmacked or anything. Um, so I really liked it. I didn't love it. It didn't make a particularly like lasting impression on me. Yeah, the movie only came out a month ago. 
that's crazy. Yeah. And, and, yeah we were talking like, about what we were doing for our episode this week, uh, which was already pushed back a week from our usual move, Millennium Movie Review time. And we're like, oh, maybe you could do a Star is Born. And we're like, didn't that come out like a year ago? And no, it was just a month ago. Yeah. Anya, Anya didn't really initially want to do it because she was like talking about it was forever ago. And it was like, it's still It October. feels like it was forever ago. It does. Um, it was at the very beginning of October. Um, yeah. Yeah, Anya, I'm actually in the same boat as you because I went in very excited for this movie. I was blown away by that trailer. It gave me chills every time I watched it. I know a lot of people were annoyed by how often it was played and how often I that was. particular <laughs> scene was played. But for me, it was so it was such a resonant scene and such a good piece of just like music and cinema coming together in like a powerful cathartic moment that I was just drawn in every time. And um, so I was looking forward to the movie a lot. And I came away in like with it, but not in love with it. Uh, that yeah. scene that I was t- that I was talking about and that they smartly um, sent like centered all their marketing around was like the best part of the movie and it kind of went downhill from there not to mean that it was a bad movie afterwards but it feels like that movie peaked and it was a movie that was trying to maintain the shadow of its former self for the rest of it which in fairness is kind of meta for like the actual narrative of the film in that Ali and Jackson are always trying to recapture that spark that that moment of like euphoria when they first perform on stage together uh, again and again and it's also kind of a metaphor for like fame but it also and everything feels like that a too. bit like an excuse yeah. for a yeah. movie that definitely like kind of dwindled yeah but it, it's interesting how it plays on like a meta level because it's it feels like it could be intentional but at the same time it is a little bit less enjoyable as the movie goes on and um but i do want to like give kudos to the film for like having that extra layer of of like uh understanding to its characters and the story that it's telling um in that you know we know that there's no recapturing that lightning in a bottle moment and yet that's what fame and and uh celebrity is all about but always trying to recapture that moment and that love too so i really like that and um i thought that bradley cooper and lady gaga were phenomenal both like they were both so strong i wouldn't be surprised if either of them came away with um with actor nods uh especially lady gaga um and bradley cooper too i think i was a little more impressed by by bradley cooper the first time i saw it because he was kind of the brunt of this film and that makes sense too because he directed it and he put a lot of his own experiences uh struggling with addiction and alcoholism into this film which is a criticism that i'll i'll have I'll pull up later on in our discussion. Yes. I'm excited to get into that, actually. Um, and the music was great. That soundtrack was so good. And I was listening to it for like a good two weeks after. But then, like you said, Anya, it kind of faded from my memory. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, it was a good movie. The good songs were good. But it didn't quite capture me as much as I expected it to um, in the long run. So that are my th- that, those are my thoughts on A Star is Born. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great, powerful film for the first like half and then yeah. it was just maintaining a shadow of its former self um, from then on. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It just was uh, not like a consistently strong, powerful movie through the entirety mm-hmm. of it. So, Willoughby, what are your thoughts on A Star is Born? Similar. Um, kind of like what, yeah, like what you said, like the first half is really strong. Like them meeting getting to know each other, having that scene outside the superstore, and then 
uh, taking her on stage, and they're singing, and they're doing their thing, and then it kind of drags from there. Um, I feel like this movie could have been a tight two hours, um, but it was a two-hour and 20-minute movie. Um, I feel like there's... It just felt like... I don't know, I guess it depends on if you know where the story is going. You're kind of just waiting for things to happen at, in the second half. You're like, oh yeah, we know she's going to be a big hit. We know that he's going to fade. Let's see this happen. Um, but like the moment where they're kind of like stars are like at equal power, equal height, is sort of like the be- like like you said, lightning in a bottle, like the best part of the movie. Um, and I think that like the, the movie tries to give its best to have equal time with both people but i feel like bradley cooper gets more to do in the movie which i think historically has not been the case i feel like Mm-mm. it's always been yeah, the actresses no, as like the star what i want to yeah in spoiler section later um but i will say like what i did see of bradley cooper wasn't bad he was very good and he can he can surely direct himself um uh, he's got those baby blue eyes <laughs> That just pierce your soul. Within, like, these really um, ruddy cheeks that he definitely um, did, pulled up just for this movie. Oh, yeah. It reminded me, like, bearded Bradley Cooper reminds me of bearded Robin Williams in a way that you know that this is a serious role because they have a beard. <laughs> um, and they've got, those, they've got, like, the same blue eyes. And it was kind of scary. I was like, oh, shit. This could have been played by Robin Williams, and that's awkward. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, for the most part, I liked the movie. Um, I probably will see it again on streaming. I don't know if I'll buy the Blu-ray because, like, I don't know, maybe if it, if it wins Best Picture, I'll probably buy it because it's like I like like to have the Best Picture in my DVD collection. Um, but yeah, I'd say like for the mostly overall part, it has a lot of cliche moments, which I think is kind of like you kind of have to roll with that because this is a very cliche story. Um, and cause like, like the, like the, who, who who's a, uh, the, the manager is, is a real, is a real cliche. There's the manager no, was my least favorite part of the movie. There definitely. is yeah, absolutely no character development to that manager nope. role at all. That manager role None. could have been played by a lamp and it would have had the same <laughs> emotional impact. In fact, I would have preferred that cause that would have been interesting. Um, <laughs> Talking uh, lamp, but yes. <laughs> uh, or, think, or like Jackson drunkenly talking to a lamp that like he thinks is is the manager, and then yeah. getting the idea. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Um, no, oh, no. Um, uh, <laughs> Not no. We're going for hilarious. Though. Yeah, I don't know if that's no, the kind of. Movie it would have been weird. For. It would have been would have taken a weird turn. Um, the movie was good. I liked it. All right. Uh, let's dive into our spoiler section of A Star is Born Review. Uh, let's go into um, the characters first uh, and um, the kind of precedence that Jackson Maine gets in this story because that's kind of the meat of what I want to talk about uh, with this. So uh, we touched on this before, but in previous iterations of A Star is Born, it's always Esther in the previous version, so this is the first time she's called Allie, uh, who's had, like, the majority of the story. It's always about her. We've even seen, like, her 
origin story beforehand where she before she becomes she goes to Hollywood or Broadway and becomes like a big star and tries to make it um but here she kind of just appears and we see her like living in her element and we do get like a good picture of her but it's also interesting that we never learn her last name nope that's on purpose yeah so um and but whereas we get with Jackson Maine uh, his whole his whole childhood, his relationship with his brother, who's also a new character in addition to this movie, um, and then his relationship with his father, and like that whole windmill subplot and everything. It was a windmill, right? Yeah, it was like their farm. Yeah, that well, got turned from into a what windmill. I yeah, from what I gather, the brother Sam Elliott's role is in the previous movies was the father. Mm. Um, they just were like they wanted it to be a brother to make his dad like an off off off-screen character i guess i'm not sure but yeah for like the most part jackson's manager has been or you know whatever the main dude's uh manager uh in previous iterations was his his father Mm. um and then i mean sam elliott still could be bradley cooper's dad um but what they want hilarious they they try to 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 uh, persuade us that Sam Elliott is somehow the older brother of Bradley Cooper and they're right. like 30 years apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, I mean, it's supposed to like highlight that the father was a son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, who like got a girl who was 18 pregnant um, with Jackson when he already had like an older son. Um, so yeah, there's that. There's, there's, a, this is, he's got a bit of a fucked up family. Mm-hmm. A little, little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a lot of it. A little bit, a lot of um, it. But yeah, you can, um, my, I didn't at first take issue with the fact that like Jackson Maine was the majority of this film, but then after thinking about it a lot, it did feel like Allie didn't really have much agency in her own story. And while Lady Gaga played her with real, like a really great spirit and she was so vivacious, at the same time, it seemed like a lot of her uh, story like either revolved around Jackson or was like her kind of in the pop machine being told what to do and everything like that. And there's some interesting discussions I've heard about um, Allie and her like relationship to Artifice and her own pop career and everything and whether this movie thinks that pop music is bad or is like trying to condemn pop music or if that's just Jackson's POV. Um, I want to know. I've heard this debate a lot with this. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of more into the theme, but I want to ask what your like opinion is on this. Uh, Anya, you go first. Um, Well, first I just want to like agree with you about the fact that like one of my biggest complaints about the film is that Allie feels entirely like a reactionary character. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like everything she does is just a reaction to a choice Jackson makes. Yeah. And not much else. Um, which was kind of disappointing, especially because early reviewers, like, were saying, like, how great Lady Gaga is, and she's wonderful, but they were saying how, like, Bradley Cooper as director, like, knows when to shine the spotlight on Allie and things like that. And I'm like, yes, as the director, he gives her many moments to shine as, like, an actor. Mm-hmm. And you can see Lady Gaga's like, her own talent shine through, but he never gives Allie, the character, right. a chance to kind of, like, shine and 
have agency and live her life. Yeah, it never feels like she's actually the main character in the film. Like she doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a star is being born. You know, it it feels like this movie is about a star dying and not so much as the star being born, despite Lady Gaga at the end taking the stage. It Exactly. Yeah. So definitely I I agree with you completely. Yeah. And as for like the pop music I feel I feel conflicted on this one. I think that the movie wasn't trying to put down pop music. I think it was supposed to be like entirely from Jackson's perspective mm-hmm. that like her music wasn't great. At the same time, I don't think the movie made that clear enough. Yeah. So while I think they might have had good intentions, I don't think the movie executed their intentions well enough cuz like there's only one moment where Allie defends her own music, and that's when they're in the bathtub. Yeah. And it's a good scene, but there are other times where you see Allie herself questioning her own career choices and the pop music. So you also get the impression that Allie herself doesn't know if she believes in the pop music. Yeah. And you only have that one moment where she defends it. So And even then she it feels like she's just defending herself more than like her instead music. Instead of the music. Yeah, because yeah, he's just like he's drunkenly like insulting both her music and then her calling her ugly, which mm-hmm. is like yeah, it's like that whole sort of like downward spiral of his alcoholism and stuff. But then it makes it even more confusing what the music movie's relation to the music is. Exactly. It's also it's also there's a triple layer of confusion there because I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think the pop songs were really good. Okay, I kind of like it. No. <laughs> I like the bat, the yeah, butt song. I didn't think they were good. I was uh, like, oh, this, they, it only, they felt like parody of pop songs. Oh, I yeah. was like, I mean, so, the butt song like, isn't a good song. So that's why but I, it's an entertaining That's why I song. think the film. That's why I think that it's, there's not a real cohesive quote-unquote take on pop music in this film or like what the film thinks of pop music because you do have Allie defending her music you do have Bradley Cooper as Jackson Maine saying no I think the pop music isn't good and then you have the pop music itself not be good songs they are not the Lady Gaga bangers that we know Mm -hmm. and they're just sort of they sound like generic pop songs I will and say, like, I think it's not only... Not even good generic Yeah, songs. I think it's, a, it's only the butt song, which I'm totally forgetting the name of. I'm going to call it the butt song from now on. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's like a truly, like, not a right? great song. But I think all, a lot of the other songs are actually quite good that don't really take a major appearance in the movie, which is unfortunate. Like, Hair, Body, Face is a good, like, almost Lady Gaga song. <laughs> but then again, like, none of them do feel, like, up to par of like the Lady Gaga production value, which is interesting because I remember reading a bunch of early reviews that were saying like this was uh, a sort of meta take on Lady Gaga's own image and her transformation into being like Lady Gaga. I'm like, but she doesn't really because Lady Gaga as an artist has so much more ownership over her art and over her image and over what she w- wants to do with that art. Whereas here, it feels oh, like yeah. Ali is just like a slave to the pop machine more so than there's anything. No, I doubt there's a manager in Lady Gaga's life that's mm-hmm. like the dude in this movie who's yeah. like telling her what dancers you need to have, what songs you need to play on SNL. Um, and so like, I don't think that the, it's, it's muddled. I'd say for the, for the, at least you know, like, what we can assume from the movie saying its take on pop music is unclear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that whatever you... It's probably, at this point, whatever you kind of, like, take in... Go into the movie with 
your takes on pop music is probably how you'll react to what the film is saying. Because I feel like sometimes it's pretty nebulous. Yeah. It's a hard thing because, like, I don't think Lady Gaga would have embraced this movie if, if, like, she thought the movie was condemning pop music. Yeah. And, like, I really don't think that, like, Bradley Cooper, as the director, like, set out with an intention to, like... That's why I don't in... think like the movie itself is trying to say it. I think yeah. the movie itself is trying to say like this is Jackson's perception. Yeah. But I but think you're unclear. right, Willoughby, that the movie just muddles it a lot. Yeah. It's not right. like the scene in kinda... La Land where like Emma Stone is uh, confused by uh, the best song in the, in the movie, like uh, the... Um the John Legend song, which they're like, oh, it's not you, but it's actually, like, the only good song in that movie. It's a, it's a straight banger. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, because, like, all the, all the all the scenes with Allie and her manager and the pop music scene always seem like there's way, way too much conflict in her own star rising. Mm. She always, like, like Anya said, questions the nature of her reality in these, like, uh, scenes. With, she's, like, trying to fight back. She doesn't want dancers. She doesn't want, like, certain things to happen. But there's still pressure, pressuring her to do all this stuff. Yeah. And whereas if it was more of, like, Lady Gaga's story as, like, more, I wouldn't say biopic, but more influenced, and having Allie take a more affirmative stance in her own agency as a pop star, I think the movie would have been a lot more interesting. And even then, the movie confuses us further when, you know, she dyes her hair that, like, ginger color, and they're like, oh, it was Allie's idea. And, like, it feels like a lot of her own um, navigating her pop star image takes place off screen, uh, yep. which yes. is what is so infuriating because it's supposed to be about her star rising. And I want to see that. That's like, but I feel like maybe, like, Bradley Cooper, in addition to wanting to have Jackson Maine's struggle with addiction be, like, at the forefront, didn't really want to telegraph that that kind of um, that rise to fame that we've seen so many times before because it kind of clashes with his naturalistic take that we see throughout this movie. You know, it's kind of very, like, earthy and gritty and, like, close-up intimate and stuff. And I wondered if that was the reason he was like, oh, I don't want to show it or something. I think Willoughby just had, like, a revelation. It did. We never saw her superhero origin story. We never saw her hunker down in a bunker and create the Iron Man armor. We, we never, never saw, saw her, her uh, No Man's we never Land. Saw her, yeah, we never saw her design the outfit she was going to wear or the hair color. She, she never, we never got to see her pick the hair color she wants. We never got to see her like be the actual choreographer of her own dance moves, which I know in pop is like someone else does it, mm-hmm. but it could have been her. It could have been, you know, in this in, comparing it to superhero movies but there's always like in the whole superhero origin story the superhero is almost always the one like creating the persona of themselves in the, like a, in like a montage or in the throughout the movie like tony stark becomes iron man by the end of the movies and you but you don't get ally becoming ally on screen you get it all off screen and it just seems like you're almost seeing it from Jackson's POV in which you're in the thick of it drunk with him and you, and suddenly she comes into the scene and she's got a new hair color or she just won two Grammys or you're at the Grammys or you're at some after party and you don't know what's happening. Like, I think that there are moments, the movie definitely takes a shift where it's 
almost all like it starts out kind of in Allie's POV because mm-hmm. you're just like and I mean, as well as even though the opening scene is with Jackson, you get Allie at the drag bar. You get Allie at like with her dad uh, as, as a waitress. You mm-hmm. get. Uh, the guy from Hamilton as her best friend. You get all these people like surrounding her, and you think that oh, the story is going to be about her, and Jackson Maine is going to be like the guy that whisks her away to Hollywood, and he's going to take like a more of a backseat kind of, I guess, what you'd assume from the first mo- movies, um, and be like an everlasting presence and love, and also like a bit of a monster um, off to the side of her own origin story. But you don't get that, and I think that's where the movie fails in terms of Lady Gaga's character because I think if you're looking at it from a Bradley Cooper star making vehicle it works better as that yeah it works better as a star falls and not a star is born oh it's very much this is a black hole yeah this is not a star is born this is a black hole Mm -hmm. because everyone's dragged under and that's what happens when a star dies it turns into a black hole or maybe a star is <laughs> a star uh, dies and it turns into a supernova and then it creates a whole universe. Maybe that's a way of thinking about it. But also, I think it's the, the way that you're talking about it, Willoughby. Yeah. I mean, it can go supernova first, and then you know he can pee at the Grammys, and then he uh, becomes a black hole. But yeah, I I really like that um, argument, Willoughby. I think that's per- you perfect. You put it perfectly. Thank you. Um, Let me ask you guys something, um, because I do want to talk about kind of like, so we all agree that like this should have been more of Allie's story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all agree that they kind of missed the mark on that one. Um, I do want to talk a bit about Bradley Cooper's performance as Jackson Maine, though. Um, And first, I have a question for you going on the same topic. Do you think Bradley Cooper wanted to make Jackson more sympathetic? Do you think that's part of why... I think so. Even if it was subconsciously, he definitely at, wanted to make him more sympathetic or at least intended to give him a fully fleshed um, depiction more so than we've seen in like past iterations, which I feel I keep saying that, but I haven't seen any other ones. But like from what I've heard of past iterations, and I think that in doing so, he accidentally made him the main character uh, because mm-hmm. it this is what he knows. And it feels like he lashed onto this character and was like, okay, alcoholism. I know that. I sympathize with that. And that's why he ended up putting a lot of himself into this role and thus kind of just like tilting the scales toward Jackson. Yeah, because, you know, it's interesting. I I agree. It, it absolutely should have been Allie's story. Um I don't mind making Jackson a bit more sympathetic because yeah. I think a more nuanced depiction of addiction is good. Yeah. And to see that, like, addiction isn't something that happens to, like, bad people. Mm-hmm. Addiction can happen to anyone. And we've seen in the movie that Jackson is a good person or can be a good person and that he really does love Allie. Like, I believe they love each other. Right. Um, and being an alcoholic doesn't make him a villain. And it's really easy to make addiction a villainous thing in media. And I thought Bradley Cooper did such a great job of portraying someone with an addiction. Like some of his scenes were so scary because they felt so real and honest. So it was like, it's one of those fine lines where like 
could Jackson have been less sympathetic? Yes, but I think more so they I think they should have kept Jackson as sympathetic as he was because it's a better depiction of addiction. But Allie needs to be the main character. It's right. And my it's issue isn't like line. with how sympathetic he was depicted. It was just how the narrative weight was with him. But I agree with you completely in that the the way that the movie tackles addiction and its effects not not only on like the person who's addicted but on the people around them and how it's sort of like this this ripple effect was the most powerful part of this film and it it really I've never dealt with someone struggling with addiction but I know that people who have um had really it really spoke to them and it, it hit them harder than like a lot of other like viewers um so I think that this was the part where the movie excelled definitely and I do like that, like, you know, Bradley Cooper took this really classic film and tur- turned it into something so personal and so haunting and so raw. Um, and that was where, like, this movie was just uh, so great in its um, in its execution. But, yeah, in the end, it did kind of sacrifice a little bit of Ali's story for that purpose. I yeah. don't know. Like, I'm not going to say that I could have done it better because, I mean, like, it's it's a hard thing to make a movie, but it does feel like um almost like not two different movies, but it could have it could have been made into two different movies. It's like kind of like Bradley Cooper took this story and was like, I want to make this a story about my own personal journey with addiction and that kind of thing. Um yeah. but I do think it it could have been possible that he could have done jug- juggled both stories and uh executed it more gracefully than it than this film did but in the end like it wasn't like terrible it still like did its job and did like a great job telling this really sort of tragic doom romance that was doomed by um by this addiction and everything and i think that was the most um the most the best part of this film yeah agreed yes (laughs) i will yeah the addiction stuff is very well written. Yeah, it's very harrowing. Um, we talked a lot about just them. Do we want to talk about Sam Elliott real quick? Yeah, let's give a little shout out to Sam Elliott. <laughs> a little shout out Good to his, uh, his little tear ducts. Those those tear ducts. Oh boy. Um, Good old Sam Elliott, who you can't understand half the time, but is great anyway. Oh, he's like Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he's good. Oh, speaking of not understanding people, let's all do a Jackson Maine impression right now. Oh, I'll gosh. go first. First, I'll take a look at another look at you. Hey, hey, I just want to take a little look, look at you. Hey, all right. I, I just want to take. A, <laughs> I just want to take another look at you. <laughs> all right, Anya. I just want to take another look at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I actually so we're think not going to go into impressions for yeah. a career. No, I'm terrible at impressions. Oh, I'm... Uh, suit yourself. <laughs> the, these vocal cords are going to send me all the way to Hollywood. No. A star was born today. It's going all the way up. Uh, but I think that's a good way to wrap up our A Star is Born discussion, actually, with really bad yeah, Jackson made impressions. <laughs> the only we're, way. We're very sorry. Hey, are we? I just want to take another look at you. Well, but bef- uh, well, let's give our, um, our rating of A Star is Born, actually, out of five stars. I always forget how many readings we do. Yes. So, Willoughby. 
Yes. Out of five stars, what would you give a Star is Born? Do we, do we do have five stars? We do have ten stars? Yeah. We, yeah. Okay, sorry. We've been doing this for two years. Sorry, I keep forgetting. Okay. <laughs> ten stars? Ten I was like, stars. oh my god, I've never given a movie ten stars. What's happening? No, it's, it's five stars, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> out of five it's stars, Willoughby. Be... plate right now. <laughs> I'll give it a four out of five. There, what was that? I didn't hear that. I'll give it a four out of five. All right, thanks, Jackson Maine. Is this, is this a drag bar? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anya, what would you give a Star is Born out of five stars? I'll give a Star is Born three out of five stars. <laughs> I give a Star is Born 3.5 out of five stars. <laughs> All right, so that means the Millennial Falcon gives a Star is Born. 3.5 out of 5 stars. Hot damn. We just, we maybe we'll t- want to take a look, another look at it someday. <laughs> but before we like do. Like that meme, but you replace Lady Gaga's face with the Star is Born Blu-ray. <laughs> Alright, but before we do, uh, and before we move on to the last segment of our episode, we have another word from our sponsors. The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by Sam Elliott's Tear Ducks. Those bad boys can fill a room. But I need to tell you something. All right. Well, I'm going to go first. Uh, my really like this week, in keeping with the theme song of our really like section, is Carly Rae Jepsen's new single, Party for One, as well as the twofer, Ariana Grande's new single, uh, Thank You Next, which these two songs have become my packing playlist. Just these two songs only. I just play them over and over again as I pack for New York. I play other songs too, of course. You're just like, bye bitches, I'm out. Yep, exactly. It's the perfect, bye bitches, I'm out. I'm packing by myself and it's a party. And also I'm going to call all the boys I never dated in D.C. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you, you should have to all the boys I uh, loved on on your TV screen play, listening to Carly Rae Jepsen and Ariana Grande from two different Alexa devices. Oh, my God. That actually sounds like a dream. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Just, just like, stimulation overload. Stimulation, like, good, just happy party for one I don't need a man stimulation overload. Except the only man I need is um, Noah Centineo. <laughs> you know what I did when I moved away from D.C. for the first time after college? I was marathoning Mad Men while I was packing. Oh. So I think you have a better... I mean, Mad Men's great, but it's it's depressing. <laughs> that is kind of sad. Although I will... Okay, I guess this is a, like a lot of really likes on my part. It's a packing really like, which is not really a really like, but things I like to do when I'm packing is that I'm watching the new, the, not the new Queer Eye, just Queer Eye from the beginning while I pack. The um, Bravo version? No, no, no. I guess it is the new Queer Eye, but I'm reading like the first season of it, not like the new oh, okay. season or anything. The ancient first season from the earlier this year. The ancient first season. I'm finally getting around to it and I love it. I am getting emotional oh, oh, every time at the end of I every knew you episode. Would. Okay, okay. Who is your favorite of the Fab Five? It has to be Jonathan. 
Although, oh, I love Tan, too, and his shady looks. And I, I, I had a feeling Tan was going to be your favorite. Like, Jonathan and Tan, I, just, I think Jonathan is hilarious. Like, everything he says and does is the funniest thing. But I do like Tan. I think they're pretty neck and neck right now. Do you want to hear a funny story? I, I also love Tan. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite. And the entire first season, I kind of joined everyone in making fun of Antony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my girlfriend was like... You know you're just like Antony, right? And she literally made a checklist of, like, traits about Antony and traits about me. And they perfectly matched up. And I was like, shit. And then I watched season two and I fell in love with Antony. And now he's my favorite. Antony and I was like, so I'm, cute. I'm very attacked. My girlfriend was like, you are Antony. Oh, but it's also hilarious to me that Antony always just like carves up an avocado for his weekly thing. And then Bobby makes over an entire house. With, I know. I, I don't know what his budget is. Bobby does all the work. <laughs> yeah, he like, he like redoes the, like he renovates a house which takes months to do. And he's like, oh, I did this in a week. You have a whole new living room. I knocked down these, do- these walls. Wild. <laughs> but yeah. That's my that's my packing really likes. Um, I broke my own rules and did a few this this week, but you know what? I'm all over the place because my 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 room and my house, life is all over my the place. life is all over the place. Soon it'll be all over the place in New York, but still all over the place. Yeah, we're not organizing it yet. <laughs> nope. All right, so Willoughby, what is your really like this week? Um, another Netflix show. Patriotic with Hassan Minaj. It's his, like, breakout... I wouldn't say he's, like, the latest breakout Daily Show star, you know? Uh, he had a really amazing uh, one-hour stand-up special on Netflix called Homecoming King. I think we talked about this on the podcast. I think it was one of our really likes. Either way, it's astounding. Um, and so that was clearly, like, a really great stand-up, and Netflix was like, hey... You guys want to you want to come away from Viacom and work for us? Uh, and so that's what he's done. He is now he now has a uh, Daily Show esque John uh, John Oliver t- type uh, like we although it's weekly, so it's more John Oliver where it's like he t- focuses on one topic and is funny about it and also informative. Um, but he kind of breaks tradition with the rest of the late night i don't even know if it's late night because he it just airs sundays um like you watch it in the middle of the afternoon political uh, talk shows i guess political talk show like political funny satire show but it's not satire it's more john oliver where like he's giving you facts and he's telling you like how fucked up amazon is as a company um uh, he took on the affirmative action news that's been in the media he's, he's been talking about the he talked about uh saudi arabia so he's only had three episodes so far, but they've been really excellent because he he gives he's really funny. He's also very informative in the way he delivers jokes and the way the way he delivers facts. And also, like I said, he was breaking he's breaking tradition by he's just standing in like on a stage. He doesn't have a desk. He's he doesn't ha- he's not wearing a suit. He's like breaking the mold. It's very much in line with his Homecoming King special where he's got like a PowerPoint behind him. He's got like a lot of like graphs graphics and you know informative features behind him he's sort of taking like his own shtick from homecoming king and taking john oliver's show and kind of making it his own thing um and of course he's not white so he can he tells very different 
jokes than like John Stewart does or John Oliver does. Um, and they're very funny. And it's like, you know, not I don't get every joke because I'm 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 white. You know, like there are certain things that he does jokes for his for Indian people for Asian people, and I'm like, it's funny, but I know it's not for me. And that's cool. It's cool to see that. It's cool to see like not white dudes uh, doing uh, late night political talk shows um and so i i hope for the best for uh, this show because netflix just has a poor track record with cancel like like green lighting these shows and then canceling them after like a couple episodes Mm. um but i think i hope i hope this lasts because he's he when i watched homecoming king i was like oh oh he's a star and he's so good looking too and to tie in him with Queer Eye, he did that special with Tan. He did. I watched that before. I didn't really. I hadn't watched Hassan Minaj's um, uh, stand-up special, so I, and I don't really watch a lot of Daily shows, so I wasn't don't know much about him. But I fell in love with both of them when I watched that little little Netflix special because it was so cute, and they're both so like Indian the entire time, and just having their little sort of brown rapport i love that it was so good it was like very asian and i was just thriving during that entire video hd you gotta watch homecoming king it's well, really good i had yeah i should i did watch the first episode of um uh patriot act? patriot act yeah uh which was good it was the affirmative <laughs> action one which ta- like t- which um was talking about asian americans and i was like that's really bold to like go out uh, to, to do that as your first topic too so yeah, I really like and his that. second episode is his second episode was Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and then the third, and the most recent is Amazon. Yeah, so. I really like that he seems to be uh, specifically talking to Asian American audiences as well, which is very rare. So I like him. I, I'll watch more of Patriot Act at some point. Yeah, watch Homecoming and Homecoming. So Anya, what is your really like this week? All right, I'm gonna break the rules a bit too. Um, but we've also I been did. gone for like two weeks. Yeah. So like we've had a lot built up. And we also got really liked the rules first. Positive people. Yeah, we do. Um, but I'll keep the first one short. Um, the first one is just that I had a really great experience earlier this week because I saw Troy Sivan in concert. And I love Troy Sivan. He's my new little gay icon. And I just adore him. Um, he's an Australian singer. He's going to be in the upcoming movie Boy Erased. And he's just precious, and I adore him. He put out his album Bloom in August, um, and he was on a North American tour for his Bloom album. Um, And I saw him, and he was just so much fun, and the show was very gay. And there was just a lot of pride and happiness. And so it was a special night. And I also ran into good old Ira at the concert. Ira Madison? So, mm -hmm. (gasps) Oh, what? That's so awesome! This is... This is the second time I've run into him at places like that, so... Oh my gosh, just, so you, you guys know each other now? You're like We run in the same gay circles. Oh my god, that's so cool! Because I've met him twice, both at, like, LGBTQ events, so oh. I'm, like, fair. Oh my god, I'm jealous. Although, oh wait, I forgot to, to mention, like, what I was... Another thing that I, I should use as I really like... I guess it's something that Willoughby and I can share. We're just gonna throw out a bunch of really likes this week, but, um... After All right, done, I Anya. still have one more that's slightly more serious, but after go ahead. Done, Oh, for, for me first? Okay. Yeah, go. go. I'm just going to interrupt. Uh, Willoughby and I met Ryan and Shane from BuzzFeed Unsolved. And we met the ghoul boys. We met the ghoul boys. We got drinks with them because uh, Ryan apparently is a fan of my work, which is, like, super cool. Uh, if you guys ever – if you and Ryan uh, – Ryan and Shane, 
if you guys do end up listening to the Millennial Falcon at some point, which you probably ever won't, uh, thanks for meeting up with us. You guys were cool, and I was so happy to talk to you about um, vision and what else did we talk about? Avengers. We talked about <laughs> Jurassic horror World, movies. We talked horror movies, um, Spiria. Although I did yell at uh, Ryan's. Ryan's been listening to sla- uh, or reading Slash Film for like 10 years. Yeah, I've been reading it since he was born, apparently. But yeah, I did yell at them about Ryan their gray Vision's costumes because I was offended as a fan of Vision. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize they were going as gray Vision. When I they know, I was so vision. upset. I was, I was like, like, I can't believe you guys did that. Yeah, they were so dumb. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I got, I made them laugh a couple of times yeah. and I felt. Very proud of myself. Well, you're a funny dude, Wilby. Hilarious people. Yeah, funny people. No funny people, right? I didn't make them them laugh, but I did get to talk with them and um, just like talk about our interests and stuff and relay a message of of love over to Slash Film. So that was a lot of fun, and I hope I get to meet them again soon. Hang out, get drinks, maybe go to Disneyland. Who knows? Disneyland. Yeah. Hey there, demons. It's me, your boy. (laughs) Yeah, we're your boys now. Boys, Anya, you have another really like. Yes, Anya. I I did have one. It seems like we're a bit all over the place. I don't know how much this one will sink in. Um, (laughs) But break the rules. Come on. um, I wanted to uh, just say that I really, after a lot of deep thought and contemplation, I really like the Suspiria remake. It ended, and I was like, I can't talk about this film. I have no idea how I feel. I have a lot to process. I have I have, I have no idea. I was like in shock. I like, couldn't talk about it. Um, and then I did a lot of thinking and a lot of self-reflecting. And I came to the conclusion that I love Suspiria. And I actually love its feminism or lack of feminism. And I think it's very powerful. And I think that it embraces everything a woman can be and do even the ugly parts and i really like that um and i can't stop thinking about it like at all i just can't it it is like i have visions of it flitting through my head all day um in the best way so it took me a little while to get here I wasn't sure. At first, it ended, and I was like, I don't think I liked that movie. I think I'm going to hate this one in the end, and then I ended up loving it. So. That's awesome. I had. <laughs> I'm so happy you liked it. I mean, I had a similar reaction at the end of Suspiria. I was like, I have no idea what I thought of that. I have to sit with this. And it's a movie yeah. that really just, like, sits with you, and mm-hmm. you don't know what to make of it. And it's just so. I felt fundamentally changed after I came out of it. I was like, I feel like. I went through something there. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I like myself better after coming out of it. I'm Mm -hmm. still, like, on the fence. I'm not sure if I liked it. I think I'm leaning towards liking it just because of how... It's tough. ...how committed it is to whatever twisted portrait of of women and and humanity it wants to depict. But uh, I did see it with another... (laughs) friend of the pod, Mike Silengel, and he posited a really interesting theory about its feminism in that it was about the clash of first wave and second wave feminists in the old and the new sort of generation. 
like the old cabal of witches being the first generation witches and that them being associated with like that 70s period like that when we first saw Suspiria come out when first like first wave down feminism was uh on the rise and then second wave feminism being like the more benevolent uh less um like less angry uh version of that and more mm-hmm. celebratory like dance is beautiful sort of message you know yes so i thought that was interesting i don't know if that's my reading particularly but i like that reading of quite a bit um yeah i yeah yeah. i i like that as well i definitely took more of a reading of like drawing its parallels to world war ii Mm. and then forgetting about world or not talking about world war ii and then the cold war like the fact that he very much steeped it in history and in what germany was going through like i definitely saw a lot of parallels to that um, and thought about the way the women created a haven during these times. Ooh. And, yeah. And so there's a lot to think about. So, um, Anya, since you like this movie, I think you might actually like Mother. As as oh, no. pays me to say, I think you might actually like Mother. I That's think you should not. watch it and, like, see what you think about it. Because it's also a film... I hate Suspiria. <laughs> it's also a film that is like very committed to whatever twisted portrait it is and goes off the rails in this third act and is much more fun if you just interpret it on your own and don't listen to anything Darren Aronofsky says because yeah, I definitely like am already put off because like the bible yeah no because like, one that, of my least favorite yeah, books that was my what? that was Noah yeah but like the thing is that wasn't my reading at all when I when I watched it mother is totally about the bible is it? I haven't seen. Yeah, it. yeah. No, it is about the Bible, but no, but like when oh. I when I watched it though, that wasn't my She's reading. She's going through every book of the Bible. What's up with him? Yes, he yeah. is. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's better when you interpret it by yourself, which Suspiria lets you do, and which Darnowski not or Darren Aronofsky didn't let Mother do. But if Mother was left on its own, it's much better in that context. So. What I have to say, and I'm glad you like Suspiria, and I I want to I want to talk more with you about it because I feel like there's just like so many conversations to be had, but we'll do it later. Bonus episode, (laughs) maybe. Um, so this has been our episode going on for a while. Stay with us, guys. I know we're almost done. Um, we've been kind of all over the place, especially during our really likes, but we have one more really like for you guys, and this is the most important one, and this is all of our really likes kind of combined this is the thing we like more than anything else what do we really like willoughby we really like democracy and the values that it gives us as well as the foundations of our republic okay so we've been in the shit for about two years um really three if you consider the 2015 presidential race going into 2016 it's been a a rough it's been rough um yeah but tomorrow, specifically today. November 6, 2018, or today, you may be listening to this today. I pray to God that you are listening to this today. We need y'all to go vote. Please we need go you to vote. vote. And you needed to kick those goddamn repubs out of here. It's very important. This, this, Bring in those this election has huge, huge consequences. Um, and midterms have notoriously low voter turnout. Um, so please go vote. The polls are typically open till 7 or 8 p.m. in a lot of states. And if you are in line 
and they try to make you leave because it's getting too late. They legally cannot do that. So if you're going to the polls, stay there until you vote. It is your legal right, and make sure your voice gets heard. We've also seen early voting numbers come in, exceed or match um, 2014 midterm votes, um, like in terms of how many people have voted. So, like the the like I I just saw a friend uh, post a video from Chicago and see, like all these early voting this early voting line that's just like super long and it's set, it was 7 p.m. on a Monday night the night before election day which Chicago does early voting so like they're getting their vote out of the way. You guys need to vote. It's important. We need to. There's been no oversight of this administration in the Congress at all, and if we get Democrats the majority in either uh, congressional house, we can finally start doing some hearings on the shit that the Trump administration has been doing. We've tried not to be this political, but goddamn, vote. 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 Alright, um... Vote! You guys can come chat with us about A Star is Born or any of our numerous really likes, but you can or only democracy. come chat with us after you vote. It's a rule. You have to vote first. Show us your you selfies. Know that, you know that, we want those I voted selfies. Um, you, and where you know can they come? In uh, Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan is all about for the Republic, for democracy! We gotta do this shit, guys. We gotta go vote. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, where can they send us their I voted selfie, Willoughby? <laughs> you can message, you can uh, search for us on Facebook. If you search for us there, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast on Facebook. Our Twitter is at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Um, and where can they find you guys on the internet and send those I voted selfies? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. Go vote. Go vote. And thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye! Bye.